St. Louis Acura has an unbeatable selection of new cars arriving daily, like the all-new 2023 Acura Integra. We also have a great selection of over 200 pre-owned and factory precision courtesy vehicles with finance rates as low as 1.9% for 36 months with approved credit. And we've added Saturday service hours to our newly renovated service facility. Don't forget, we'll buy your vehicle here at our dealership or from the convenience of your home. St. Louis Acura, better than ever for you. I'd say first and foremost, the <clears throat> Missouri's defense really played its best game in probably two years. Um, so I was really excited to see that. You know, the unfortunate thing about the offense is that it just it's been a notoriously slow starter. Uh, and the same thing, of course, happened at Auburn, down by two touchdowns, but they were able to rally back and tie it at halftime. And I thought Mizzou really controlled the game in the second half. Again, a, a few mistakes here and there that sort of derailed some drives. And, of course, the, the, I'd say the first costly mistake was um, Darius Robinson jumping off sides on a missed field goal. Um, and, you know, from there just kind of went downhill. Um, Nathaniel Pete. Trying to make a play, you can't really criticize a guy uh, because you know that they're taught to not extend the football unless it's fourth down. Um, but he had it secured in his left hand. If you're going to dive, either dive with two hands or extend it with your left hand so that you don't run the risk. But really, if you want to extend that football, it's just best to do it with two hands or just dive across the goal line. You don't exactly. even have to go for the really have to go for the touchdown. You're there. You just ran a 20-yarder. Um uh, so I think they felt pretty good about their ability to to run it at that point. But again, these are young kids. They see a lot of a lot of bad habits they pick up from the NFL. Uh, it's just the way it is, and it's a tough lesson to learn. But uh, you hope that this team will will learn from those types of mistakes. Now, the biggest thing going into this Georgia game for this team is how do they respond after a, a devastating loss on the road? Uh, it is Georgia. It's the number one team in the nation. Uh, you always want to be able to play the best, but when you play the best, you always want to play your best. That's my hope for this team, win or lose. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say they're going to win, Mike. You know, this is, this is a team oh, that's favored by 28 points. You know what I'm going to say. If you play competitively, if you can minimize your mistakes, really eliminate your mistakes – and maybe Georgia, you know, maybe takes Mizzou a little bit lightly, coughs up the ball a couple times, and you got a competitive ball game. Um, and, and that's really what it's about. I'm glad that they're playing at home, even though Furrow Field really has not been a, a home field advantage for Mizzou, I think. Uh, it's better that they're playing it uh, in Columbia as opposed to Athens, Georgia. You, you know, one of the things about playing Georgia, you know, you, you obviously have to eliminate the mistakes but you also have to shorten the game and make sure that they don't have too many possessions where your defense gets run down. So ball possession is important. What you do on first down is in, imperative. You, you know, you cannot have a second and nine or any of that because once you get Georgia in a position defensively where they know what you can do or have to do, then you're going to have a bigger problem. But let me ask you about improvements. I mean, obviously the mental mistakes cost them this week. But what area, and maybe you already said it when you talked about the defense playing well, what areas of this team have you seen legitimate improvement? Well, the defense, that, that's primarily it. Um, um, but I will say, you know, from the receivers group, 
a guy that has emerged, I think has been a weapon and maybe surprisingly so, but not surprisingly so to some has been Dominic Lovett. He's had 200 yard receiving games back to back weeks. Um, I, I say he's a legitimate deep threat, takes pressure off of, uh, off of Burden, who I guess for most people probably thought Luther Burden would be that primary deep threat. Uh, but it's been Lovett. And um, given the fact that Lovett's been in the system for a longer time than Burden, he, he understands, I, I think, what it takes on Saturdays, what it means to play in big games, uh, where Burden has not had that, um, that opportunity to do so. But he's learning. He's, he's getting a chance to see his first big road test in the SEC last week. 87,000 people were you know, close to it. It was pretty much a full house. Uh, now you've got that expectation what it takes to play against a high level, um, play at a high level SEC stadium. It's going to be loud. The fans are truly into it. You can't hear. Um, and you've, you're playing against an opponent no matter what level they are, but they're putting constant pressure on you. Uh, they're covering you where, you know, the guys where you were playing last year, guys weren't covering you at all. You were just running away from them. But now you've got to figure out. I got to get off the line of scrimmage. I got to figure out ways to beat this guy across from me. And by the way, get open. Um, so what I what I hope for that happens for Brady Cook uh, and for this receiving group, if if you keep taking those deep shots, whether it's Solovit or, or other people, you know now you get a chance to loosen up that defense, which would open up the middle areas of the field for a guy like Burden. Because where's Burden most dangerous when he gets the ball in the open field? And he, if you get the ball to him in space, that's where I think he's most dangerous, at least right now. Um, I'd like to see him be able to do that and get more opportunities to do that. And then let's see how what type of impact he can have for this offense. Because all you need is a couple of those. And I think yeah. now you're going to start to see how a, a defense will loosen up. Now, Georgia does not – they don't really rush the passer or get a bunch of sacks. That's not who they are. They're going to sit back and, and play tough up front but they're not a, an attacking team from a pass rush standpoint. They'll, they will throw some blitzes at you, and I expect that Brady Cook will see some um, some designer looks and some things that he hasn't seen. Kirby Smart is, is an excellent defensive mind, uh, so you know he's going to get some things that he hasn't seen just yet. Um, but he's got to be prepared for that. But I, I would look for something, for more opportunities underneath. I keep sending uh, and taking deep shots down the field uh, for that very reason. You can't be afraid to throw the ball. Down. Right. I, I agree with you. Uh, you. You don't have anything to lose. This is kind of like playing with house money this weekend. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I know we talk so much about Eli Drinkwitz being this offensive guy. And quite frankly, the offense has been a little conservative. So my question is, you know, he hasn't shown very much as far as the, the wrinkles that he wanted to implement in this offense. Do you think we'll see a little bit more of that this week, considering uh, Georgia's going on film that they've seen for the last three games, last four games, and there's not much to talk about? So do you think maybe – and I'm not talking about the alumni plays and all the razzle. I'm talking about different plays that actually will really, if nothing else, concern Georgia as far as how they respond to that play? You've got to test the defense. Mm -hmm. I mean, have they really been tested yet? Right. I don't know that they have. Uh, this will be the perfect week to do the, to do so. Let's just see how good um, their players react to what you're trying to do offensively. And you know, Eli has a 
to me, he's got a, an infinite bottom uh, with regard to his playbook. I mean, because he, he's always designing and putting in and implementing things based on what he sees uh, from a defense. So what you see in last week's game plan, you may not see next week or the week after. Um, and I think if you were a, if you are good at what you do from a standpoint of, of creativity and creating plays, that's the way you have to be against designer defenses. And, and Kirby Smart is just that. I mean, he's going to throw things at you that you won't see anywhere else. So you've got to be able to uh, adjust uh, on the fly here. And, and have maybe two or three plays designed if you if you see a certain look. Well, your receivers are going to have to have options, if you will. Uh, and that has that coordination has to come very closely between quarterback and receivers. All right, Georgia's coming to town. Uh, we know about the, 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 them being a heavy favorite. Are they better than what they were when they won the national championship last year, or are they a, a different sort of being? with regard to how they look, because, you know, you look at their offense and you say, eh, I don't know if they have any game breakers there. The defense lost some really good players in the draft. And as you mentioned, they're not this like rushing the passer and just being very aggressive. They kind of read and react, which says a lot about the athletes that they have, because, you know, read and react normally gets you in trouble. Mm -hmm. These guys are basically one step better and one step smarter than their opponent on most Saturdays. Because they read and then they react very quickly. You know, yes. The recognition piece is something that they do better than anyone. Uh, I don't know if they're better. I don't I don't think they're better. They're certainly not worse. Uh, I, I think the depth is the thing that has carried them because they've recruited very well. But I think the quarterback's better. Uh, Stetson Bennett is a guy that um, certainly you've taken a bunch of shots at him. He's taken shots, uh, and he always gets right back up. A guy that was a walk-on and – you know, really left for dead, but he persevered. Um, and what did he do? He won a national championship for him. Um, he's got a quick release. The guy can actually run it. Uh, so with Bennett, what you got to be careful of is is if you can squeeze him, uh, someone's got to be a spy and, and not let him just take off and run up the middle of the field. You got to do a better job that. And again, you don't necessarily have to sack him, but you want to pressure him. You want to make yeah, him feel make him uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Exactly. Um, so, and and oftentimes, that is better than a sack because uh, now you don't know where it's coming from. But if you can get constant pressure on him, and if you get anything up the middle, and your edge edge guys are, are playing, um, you know, strongly and and being very alert, then I think you've got a chance to minimize what he can do in the passing game. You're not going to, you're not going to shut them down. And I don't know that they have, uh, other than that tight end, who's really good. Um, I don't know that they have the same level of receivers that they've had the last couple of years, but they execute very well in the offensive game. And uh, you know, that's where you have to beat them. You have to do things to counter their execution. So for Missouri's for Missouri, you know, you got to get off the field on defense, give your offense as many chances to do complete, and, and extend drives and take time off the clock. That's how you you at least stay competitive and, and kind of keep it close. All right, let's move on to college football as a whole. Um, it seems like there's some programs, some, some programs that you would recognize. I'm not going to say they're powers anymore, but there's some programs that are now going to look around for a head coach. And, and it's getting earlier and earlier when we see people either on the hot seat or getting fired, Arizona State, Nebraska, 
Auburn, that's going to happen. Georgia Tech took care of business this week when it came to their personnel. Um, is it happening earlier? Is the pressure to win even greater now? And, and the reason why I bring that up, because there's so many other distractions that coaches have to deal with other than trying to win on Saturday between the transfer portal and the NIL and just the overall approach about recruiting. It's changed so much that some guys have been left without a chair when the music stops. Certainly in uh, excuse me, NFL NIL and the transfer portal, I think have made it uh, more pressure filled for coaches because now you've got to manage that stuff. In addition to just coaching X X's and O's. Um, mm -hmm. for, in my opinion, you have to have someone that manages that, uh, especially the portal. You've got to have someone that's uh, on your staff or within your department that strictly pays attention to the portal, strictly uh, pays attention to NIL opportunities. Yeah. You as a coach, you can get involved in those things, but really you want to be more of a deal closer. You don't want to be involved in the day-to-day -day stuff because that's going to detract from what you're primary goals are, and that is to coach football. Um, so that pressure to to continue uh, and, and to make these collectives more valuable uh, than they've ever been uh, is going to be hard. Uh, and until there's national legislation to, to me, even the playing field, it's only going to get worse. Uh, I, I do see that coming. I don't know how soon it will come. Um, I don't know if that's more important now in college football or if this college football playoff is more important. I mean, I, I think the CFP, there's so much talk about it and what it's going to look like in a couple of years, how many teams, you know, and they're trying to figure out where the sites are and all that. There's still a lot of work to do. Uh, but there's a lot for college coaches to consider. So everyone now, I think they're making these decisions early on, you know, ASU, of course, uh, Georgia Tech, um, you know, possibly Auburn or probably Auburn. Uh, no, probably. Unless, unless – um, <laughs> Unless Har uh, Harson turns it around immediately and somehow competes and is playing in the in the uh, in the SEC championship, um, I don't see that happening. I think that, I, I know. You know, yeah. it's it, one it, of those it, things where the word is out too much now, where he's dead man walking. Yeah. Um, so everyone is going to want to get a jump on who they're talking to, uh, because once the season ends, you want to be able to sign that particular guy that you've that everyone's been chasing. You want to be the first in line, right? And, and, and shoot him the best offer. Otherwise, you know, it, there's going to be a drop off for whoever that top coach is going to be. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, the pressure is absolutely there. And um, I'm just glad I'm not sitting in that seat. Well, let's throw in the fact that the athletic director now is on the hot seat also. I mean, we saw Georgia Tech get rid of both guys. We saw it in, at Auburn as well. If Trevor Alberts wasn't so new on the job, they'd probably be would be looking at replacing him. Uh, and it's just and Ray Ray Anderson out of Arizona State. He's one step ahead of the posse. So I think athletic directors are now going to be in play a little bit more as well. And you you talked about something that with regard to the NIL and also the portal, that that's almost a two person job that probably has to file a daily report. So when a coach comes in that morning it's already on his desk on what's going on with it. So then he can respond in kind to, to make sure that they're going to be effective. But, but I agree with you. I don't think coaches want to get too deep into it because they're trying to get people ready to play on Saturday. You have to, uh, but by the same token, you want to know that whoever's managing that portal 
is doing their particular jobs and doing it well. Because you want to yeah. know if you got a shot at some guy that's not happy at Clemson or Alabama or wherever, you want to know if this is a guy that can actually step in and help your program right away. So you've got to be first in line to, to however you do it, reach out to that person and let them know that, hey, this, this school X might be a spot for you based on, you know, your skill set and based on what our needs are. Um, yeah, so you, you want to be first to you want to be first in line. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think you also have a conversation with the position coaches, the recruiting coaches as well to say, is this guy that we're looking at better than the guy we have on our team now? Yeah. And can he help us? Immediately? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Not two years down the road, but we're talking about as soon as he, he's eligible to come out and play. Uh, you just don't have that time anymore. And, and it's one of those issues now where if you don't respond in kind, uh, you're going to be left at the, at the door and then probably be on the other side of the door because you'll be fired. Hey, let's talk about the NFL. Interesting week of games. And you know me, I don't really pay attention until week four because I don't think half these guys are in the football shape that they sure. need to be in to play an entire now 17-game season. Um so now I'm starting to see some teams that are going to probably start to separate themselves. But Howard, I, you know, it happens every year. This injury bug, man, can can do you in before you even get started. I look at Buffalo, who's lost a couple of good players on defense already. You know, you got uh, Jamison Winston playing with a with a bad back, and some other guys have had some injuries along the way. Dallas, we know that situation. Um, and it's nothing you can really do. I mean, your cap says this is all you can spend. And there really aren't enough good players to replace the players that you have that you've had lost uh, due to injury. That's why the practice squads are are pretty valuable. Um, mm -hmm. You you have an idea of where your critical needs might be down the road. Like if you just take Dallas for instance, you better have some offensive linemen, uh, and you better have a quarterback. You know, it's interesting the Cowboys actually cut Cooper Rush, but you know the rules have changed. I don't know that he was ever uh, in jeopardy of not returning to the team, but it is a risk. Well, if, if somebody can claim him. That's right. I mean, let's, what if it had been Seattle that claimed him? And now with Dak down, who's next? I mean, Will Greer is next on the roster, um, but Will Greer hasn't won game, hasn't won a game yet for Dallas. Cooper is at least Cooper Rush has at least been in the system. Uh, won a big game for them last year against um, uh, the Vikings on the road, uh, which was huge. Uh, and now he's two and zero as a starter this season. So he has he has at least proven his value, his worth through the first two weeks. And I think every team that knows that if we have an injury at a key position, we hope that we have a guy that can step up uh, and be as impactful as the guy that we just lost. You know, um, looking at the schedule, and you see some games on the schedule that used to be traditional three o'clock matchups. Or, or a Monday night or a, a now Thursday night game or a Sunday night Sunday game. Night. Mm -hmm. Washington at Dallas is a noon kickoff. Yeah. It kind of tells you how the mighty have fallen because when you played and even before that and after you play, that, that Dallas-Washington game was a must-watch 315 start doing on Sunday. Or if Monday. it wasn't a Monday night game or a Sunday night game. And, and you start to see things change a little bit. I, I don't think Washington – will be any good until they change the culture with the ownership. Uh, I think I think Ron Rivera is a good coach, but I think that he's been saddled with some things that just haven't worked out to his liking, and he's been stuck with some situations that I'm sure he'd like to change if there was new ownership. 
Well, the, the, it's a big, a big distraction, of course. You know, if it's not the team name and being ridiculed for being called the Commanders, which I do think they probably could have found a better name if they had, <laughs> if they had really worked hard enough to do so. Um, but I, I do believe that Daniel Snyder and all the goings on around him and, and within that front office, uh, I think it is a, a bigger distraction than what anyone will admit. Uh, and it's not even close to being over yet. Uh, will he sell the team? Will this be a situation like, you know, Sarver in the NBA or Donald Sterling in the NBA? Uh, I don't think anyone knows right now, but I, there are those that are building cases to try to do whatever they can to, um, I think, stabilize that, you know, it's an historic uh, organization. You know, they've, they've done well historically, although of late they haven't. Um, but... It, it, a good Washington franchise is good for the NFL, especially because it's where, where it sits. It's right in the nation's capital. They, they do get a, a large fan base, and they've always been attractive for a number of reasons because of their history. So you do want Washington to be good, and, and especially in, in that uh, the NFC East, which for years was the best uh, division in football. But it, you know, it hasn't been for a while because, you know, so many teams have been down now. The Eagles are a team that probably have, or until they play Dallas, they're probably going to be the, the, the favorite to win it until they, those teams go head-to-head and you see how they play out. Uh, but the Giants, he started out 2-0, didn't look good, particularly good against Dallas, and, and Dallas was able to go up there and, and win a big road game. Um, but, you know, that first month of the season uh, is critical because I think you have a – uh, a decent idea how a team is going to fare. And really, after six weeks, you can pretty much tell what direction the team is going to go. And so the next two weeks, I think, uh, will start to separate the, the the cream from the rest of the of the pack. That's if you can stay healthy long enough. Uh, yeah. I just – I look at these guys, and, and I really I, – I'm sure somebody's done a study on it. But I have to think with the lack of practice – in the lack of actual contact, we've had more injuries uh, because guys are now playing at a hundred percent speed uh, and their bodies just aren't used to it. And it's unfortunate because, you know, when you go down the NFL, you're done. I mean, there's no, we'll see you in week seven, you know, now they're going to try and stash Joey Bosa and see if they can get him through a growing surgery. But I mean, it's a growing surgery. You just don't know how that's going to work out. So there, there are a lot of issues that this league has got to deal with. And it is just only the strongest and the fittest survive because uh, come week 17, you're going to have some beat up guys and getting into postseason. I'm not sure if you're going to be able to see their best at when they need to be. There's a lot of truth to the whole injury thing. Uh, when players know that they don't have two a days, they don't have to be in the same sort of shape as they did when I played. Uh, you're not hitting during the week. But then all of a sudden on Sundays, you're going full bore. Um, the body just isn't used to that type of, of speed and reaction uh, and absorbing that type of contact. Um, so it, it's probably played a factor uh, in the amounts of injuries and the nature of injuries that, uh, I mean, like a groin. You yeah. know, you're suddenly twisting and turning. You haven't been running full speed. And that is a tough injury to return from. It just takes a long time to, to heal. I, I mean, I can attest to it because <laughs> – at my age, I was playing pickleball back in April. Oh, I'm boy. still dealing with this 
if it's hip and growth, it's pickleball. You don't even have to be a great athlete. And here I am, you know, I'm still trying to get myself in shape to play pickleball. Well, you probably was out there for some other reasons too, but that's for another episode. <laughs> I have Ladies no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> he's Howard Richards. I'm Mike Claiborne. This has been another edition of Huddle Up with Howard. We look forward to talking to you next week and may your team, and now that we play fantasy everywhere, may you, may you have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks.